This week, we're reading Twilight Part 1, a.k.a. Abercrombie models who aren't like the other kids. Hi, readers. I'm Jordan. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Not Another Heroine, the podcast where we break down the best and worst fictional heroines, those swashbuckling ladies who have to work a little harder than expected for their happy ending. Want to see what's next on our TBR list? Subscribe to us on YouTube or follow us on Instagram for a sneak peek at upcoming content or to help us pick our next book. Twilight. Uh, part one. Part one. Let me talk through these caveats really quick. Please. Feel uh, free. Okay. So I, I we have my cocktail all over me. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So caveat one, we have our arch nemesis villain on the pod. Who's actually like low key, our best friend, but that's fine. Uh, Rob is starring Renaissance in- man. Yeah, Renaissance man, scarves, very smart, probably uses big words that I, as a Gen Z, will absolutely ask him to define. This is Rob. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, caveat two. Jordan and I, and also Rob, but he's eloquent and very well put together. Uh, Jordan and I are like four drinks in. And so you, the readers, will obviously know how many drinks in because our rant about Twilight will become like incoherent. Anyway, caveat three. Oh, are you getting to the, are we getting to this caveat? Yeah. Okay. Okay, So we have this weird liquor that Jordan bought that's like red and has like olive looking things in the bottom. Lychee. Okay. But it's lychee, but it looks like olives and it's called I think it's Choya. So we have to take a shot every time we mispronounce a word. And if you've been listening to the podcast for anything longer than like 45 seconds, uh, you know that Jordan and I are incapable of speaking English, let alone anything even remotely sourced from anywhere besides English. The only thing we have saving us on this particular episode is the fact that this is technically like a paranormal contemporary teen romance. We have no Neves going on in this episode. Yeah, but it does. I mean, if you're a longtime listener like me, I've been listening since episode one. You do notice that somehow or other, Katie and Jordan, they it's like two women who speak fluent English with a Swedish accent sometimes <laughs> just spontaneously bend a word into a weird like why that emphasis? I don't understand. There are certain words that I just absolutely cannot say. <laughs> So we meet Bella just as she's saying goodbye to her childlike mother and getting on a plane to travel from Phoenix to Seattle, another plane to Port Angeles, and then a drive down to Forks. Uh, What is that like comedic, like parody movie of Twilight? Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? And she has the giant inflatable cactus. (laughs) (laughs) I have never seen it. I have no idea. Oh my God. (laughs) I feel like I know too much about this movie, but all I can think of are the immaculate Twilight vibes of her holding the teeny little cactus (laughs) as she's going to Forks. Anyways, so Bella is. Please continue. She's very uh, much going to miss her her pet cactus. But in this book, it's more focused on her leaving her mother and moving to Washington State to live with her father. So she describes her parents' relationship in an almost clinical way and refers to her father, Charlie, by his first name. And like right off the bat, reading this as an older reader, like this struck me as a 
device to like make the reader think, oh, huh, she's 17, but actually she's an adult. And using like referring to her dad as Charlie is a way to to the reader to emphasize the fact that she's older than she actually is. To emancipate her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting, though, because like I have step parents and I refer to the step parents by their name, not my actual parents by mom and dad. Yeah. So it's like it's a weird misplaced emancipation. You know what I mean? I still call my parents mom and dad, even if I'm distant from them. But step parents are absolutely by the first name. And, and that makes sense. But for like for you to refer to your biological father as his first name, like that has to initiate from your mother yeah. or from another adult figure in your life. Mm -hmm. So it just seems weird that she just started doing that. It raised a question that uh, the author never really seems to answer. Like, why should she do that? Yeah. And I think the answer is we need Bella to, uh, to seem older than she actually is, which is a theme throughout the book. Mm -hmm. So moving, moving on from that. So after arriving in Forks, which if you've ever been to Forks, it is not romantic. Uh, bald eagles, wet leaves, and run down like, old Americana. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It is a desperate little town that time forgot and that Twilight revived. So we're going to be very careful to differentiate the book from the movie. So because yeah. we have an episode fully dedicated to the movie, but even yeah. in the book, it seems to glamorize Forks a little bit as this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Small town escapism a little bit, like separate from reality. Yeah. Anyway, she has, Bella has a very stilted reunion with her dad. And this is probably because they're so similar in personality type. He gives like, <laughs> why? I spilled my drink. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Twilight Part One, where we're spilling alcohol everywhere. Yep. We, we started this episode drunk. And I think you need to be drunk to review Twilight because. <laughs> okay. No, no. Okay. Yes. So I wrote a little like asterisk in my. An asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> Shot. So how you pronounce it. Shot, Katie. Does it help if it's in ignorance? An asterisk? <laughs> Sure. No. Uh, <laughs> continue. Continue. Please. Okay. But Twilight the book was not as bad as I was expecting when I reread it. Like it's it's a little bit like an older woman's perspective of what she thinks a teenager would think, but from an older person's perspective. But it was not as bad as people are like, oh my god, Twilight is trash. The movie is trash. The book is trash. Like this is trash. It's like it's it was a decent book. Like if you remove it from the. Ugh. Just as a preface, right, is I loved this book when I was 15, 16, 17, even into my early 20s. I really enjoyed reading this book. I think I probably read it two or three times. Mm. But it has been about 10, at least 10 years since I've read it. And upon reread, I had a very different impression of the book itself. See, that's fun. So when I first read this book, I was 16, 15. Uh, my grandma bought it, the like four piece, all of them in one giant fucking book. And it took me six months to get through like half of this book because I missed the part where Edward was, was like described as like handsome and like godlike. And I thought he was like an absolute fucking creeper for the whole book until I heard the news that Robert Pattinson was cast as Edward. Wow, that's a completely I, different take. Like on it. literally, I thought he was a creep. It's a shockingly honest take because. <laughs> <laughs> irrespective of how attractive he was that was my take on him the entire time like so he slips into your 
bedroom at night and watches you sleep. All right. Yeah, this is a, this is a criminal trespass. OK, actually. so did you did yes. you read the book before you watched the movie? No. So oh, I got like okay. halfway through the book and then I heard that Robert Pattinson was coming out. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, like hot guy is obsessed with me. Cool. Finish the book. Wow. Watch the movie. OK, so maybe yeah. that's the difference, because I read this book like probably a couple years before the movie ever came out. And I super got into it, which upon reading it as an adult, I'm like, Oh, no wonder I had relationship problems growing up. Okay. <laughs> how many how many women did it set on the right on the wrong course? <laughs> so moving on, because we are determined to stay on track with just giving a general synopsis of this episode. After arriving in Forks, Bella has a you know, has her reunion with her dad, and he gives her this beat up monster of a truck and it's like she just gets settled in. She loves the truck. It's fine. Whatever. The following day after her arrival in Forks is her first day at the local high school, which goes pretty much as expected. So I switched schools as a junior. And I just want to say that I don't know if Stephanie Meyer like changed schools mid high school, you know, experience or whatever. But this was fucking spot on. It was disturbing how absolutely like clinical almost like exact it was the experience of moving schools midway through high school was to what Bella's experience was like you seem almost like a new flashy toy that everyone wants hmm. to know in like experience like uh my experience was somewhat different because I transitioned from grade school to high school and uh the the high school okay wait, wait, what wait, 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 wait. the high the high school that I went to was not the grade school I went to was not a feeder school for the high school that I went to. So I showed up and I was the only person anybody didn't know. And I was I, being a guy, it felt like wading into a stream like, oh, this is everything's already in motion. And everything's just washing around me. So, yeah, that was my experience. But I also, also I did find that uh, her writing of that, that that sort of like that otherness of showing up like, oh, yeah, I'm the new kid. Yes. That seemed familiar. So in the book, like this goes pretty much, I think, as expected, right? Mm -hmm. Like a few more extroverted people at the high school introduce themselves and show her around and like based on your feedback like this tracks as a standard high school experience oh absolutely like people introduce themselves to you and like all of a sudden you're just ingested into this existing friend group based on you know how popular you are how confident you are how beautiful you are it just kind of like automatically filters into whatever level of you know group that's already existing and they just suck you in which is basically Mike, Jessica. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So our friend group that Bella gets sucked into is like Mike, Eric, Jessica, Lauren, Angela, I think are the central other characters that we get introduced to as the reader in this book. And so she makes it to lunch hour, you know, without tripping over herself too much, which becomes a much greater theme later over, later over, later on. <laughs> Oh, there's the alcohol arriving uh, in the book. So she's in the cafeteria sitting with her like newfound clique of people. And we get to meet the Colons in the cafeteria. And it's, can you read for Ben <laughs> what you wrote, please? <laughs> <laughs> so the Colons, it's a, it's a family of Abercrombie models who aren't like other kids. This is absolutely <laughs> fucking spot on. Can I just say? Because <laughs> literally in the book, it's like, who are they? And I feel like the movie actually did like, I know it's not the movie episode yet, but I feel like the movie did a pretty good job of explaining oh, yeah. the otherness of these people, which 
I feel like that wasn't ex- my experience. Like the super hot people of high school were always just the upper tier of like friend groups. They still seemed like children. Yeah. yeah. But this is almost like they are the adults, like mm-hmm. they're college, but still at high school almost like beautiful, sure of themselves. Like they didn't have any of that high school mm-hmm. Yeah, the other factor is not mm-hmm. just them being beautiful. It's them distinctly not belonging to their peer group because they're not peers, because they're fucking vampires. Um, and like, centuries old and immortal. Yeah. Don't belong amongst yeah. the least mature of our adult population. So one of the clique, uh, which is probably Jessica, um, gives Bella a rundown of all of these beautiful people. And in total, there's five of them, which are all foster children of Dr. Carlisle and Esme Colin. First off, there's Rosalie and Emmett, who are, like, to quote Jessica, a couple, which is, you know, not normal. Like, that's fucking weird, right? <laughs> this is, like, playing into all those weird, like, uh, this is going to get explicit, but, like, porn tropes of, like, step-sibling. Foster kids. Yeah. We're it's like, that is really fucked up. Like, yeah. at least Jessica recognizes, like, how weird that is. Uh-huh. So, okay, so Rosalie... Call me step-bro. Yeah. <laughs> So Rosalie and Emmett, couple. Then we have Jasper and Alice, also a couple. And then finally we have Edward, who, for the purposes of our story, has no family partner. And Bella is immediately fascinated by Edward because, you know, he's a single one. (laughs) Again, we're just going to jump into this whole I was not interested in this book until I found out that Robert Pattinson was cast as Edward. (laughs) Like, it makes sense. If, you know, Robert Pattinson walks into your lunch cafeteria, you're going to be intrigued. (laughs) I mean, yeah, he's he's, mm, easy on the eyes. As much as he hates the fucking Twilight Saga. Exactly. So please continue. So he's described as tall and lean with a perfect face, changeable eyes, and auburn hair. And Bella is caught staring at him from across the lunchroom and is immediately flustered because, you know, we're dealing with children. These are teenagers who are like, oh my God, you're looking at me. I can't look at you ever again. (laughs) My God, Cedric Diggory. (laughs) Right? Oh, my dear son. Oh, Jesus. That's a direct quote. We we are doing our best to treat you, dear readers, as if you've never read or seen or heard of Twilight before because we are honestly... We want to treat this like any of our other books and give it a legitimate synopsis and then our reactions to it. Um, Because, again, so uh, Jordan's perspective differs. But I thought coming from the perspective of like not having read this book since I was 15, uh, it was decent as far as romance goes. It was awkward. It was a little bit cringy. But it had the factors there. It was it was good. I will get to how vehemently is that? Oh, thing? girl, that's a fucking shot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How a do shot. you say that word? What vehemently? Ve- vehemently. What? Vehemently. The vehemently. What? <laughs> what do you think? It's vehemently. Vehemently. Oh my god! My, shot for me. Yeah. Shot for you. Cheers, Katie, to that. I know what the word means. What? Cheers. Okay. Okay. By the way, this liquor is to raisins as wine is to grapes. This tastes That's like fair. pure liquid raisins. It tastes like shit. It's, yes, it does. It's it's quite gross. We have all taken a shot because we are terrible people. And, what did we even mispronounce? Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't light. No, it was yeah. ve- vehemently. 
Is it vehemently? I don't know. And I don't want to revisit this <laughs> nope. topic. So Anyways. moving on. Yeah, things are going shot. swimmingly. So <laughs> things are going swimmingly until she arrives at biology class and is assigned the only empty lab bench. Edward looks like he's about to have what I can only describe as my mother, like would quote this as a <laughs> full on fucking conniption fit the entire time she is sitting next to him. OK, so I know I just read the book, but the only thing I can see is the fucking like like scene that they set up in the movie with the owl wings behind him to look like angel wings. <laughs> Why did I catch that when I watched the movie? Oh, my God. I only fucking like caught it like probably this last time that I saw the movie out of the 13, 14 times I've seen this movie. But literally this scene, he looks like he's having a panic attack and his like hand is covering his face as if he's smelling something horrible. And it's just so spot on. I mean, that, that tracks with the book, though, because mm -hmm. in, in the yeah. scene in the book, she describes Edward's reaction to sitting next to her as like as if he is smelling something bad. So she's like constantly like moving her hair in front of her face. She's embarrassed. Like at any point, if someone put their hand over their face and acted like they were in pain when I was sitting next to them, I would question, you know, secret degree, ab you know, ability to mask B.O. scent. Yeah, I would be deodorant fucking... <laughs> doing its job. I would question my existence. <laughs> so full disclosure, I... I consumed Twilight mostly in the form of an audiobook, though I wasn't not the a, way I, you should consume right, an audiobook. Hang on, I wasn't. I was a very attentive listener. I have many notes on prose. Let me tell you, I have many notes on Stephanie Meyer's prose. That said, I, maybe I'm maybe I am injecting a little bit of of uh, later comment because she's repeatedly and independently confirmed as smelling like freesia and uh, lavender. Yes. Not just not just from Edward's perspective, but I'm forgetting the name of the guy. The James. James. It's her good goddamn suave shampoo. Like I <laughs> fucking wish that I smelled like freesia and lavender on the regular, but I do not. Yeah. Bella finishes her first day at school and returns to the admin office to turn in her papers and runs into Edward, who's in the middle of trying to change his class schedule because that's fucking normal for a high school student. Continue so, that. Yeah. So he wants to get out of biology with Bella because. Okay, so controversial take again. My confidence level would be decimated well, if I found out that the hot guy in my class is trying to change classes because he thought I smelled weird. Okay, oh my yeah, God. but okay, this is triggering all of my fucking like existential dread. Again, like reason why this resonated so much with teenage audiences, right? Because what what teenage girl doesn't feel insecure about appearance, smell, and like Bella obviously as a teenage girl cannot afford the ego hit, so she sees this hot new guy who she's assigned to sit next to trying to get away from her like oh my god i'm the worst person on the planet <laughs> yeah rob you look like you have something to say <laughs> oh so much i just don't know if it's too soon my core issue with the book having read it now is that edward is so out of place in high school and i'm definitely skipping ahead here i apologize he's a bit two-dimensionally drawn because it, it, as a character he's constantly between two positions his bloodlust his obvious hunger and his self-restraint also it's the recurring theme of him wanting to say goodbye preemptively of like i'm gonna remove myself from your life i'm trying to protect you i i need the best yeah, for you that happens the whole fucking and what teenage <laughs> right. girl doesn't want to be protected? Right? Oh my god, yeah. Uh, daddy issues? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna touch on that, but yes, daddy oh, issues. Oh no, I'm definitely gonna touch on that. That's definitely okay. coming okay. back around. Moving moving on. So the rest of the week passes without incident, and Bella goes back to school the following day, and Edward is gone inexplicably. But also, again, the movie montage of the scene. <laughs> Fucking A plus. Continue. <laughs> Edward is gone, but the rest of his family is still hanging out, looking beautiful. And she assumes he's dropped out of school. And that is the end of the weirdness. But again, Stephanie Meyer, A plus, like conceptualization of what a teenager would think. Yeah. Like, I absolutely would think that my crush, like, dropped out of school. This like- <laughs> makes me concerned that, like, a 30 something. Plus, old author could write a 17 year old so well. It is a little bit disturbing. Like, how did she know? Right? Because she has a mature to hatch. Okay. No. Whoa. <laughs> no, I, well, yeah, actually, I think you're, you're keying on the selling point there. But uh, that is from early on. So I have multiple notes throughout the book uh, at various stages. I had various expectations at various stages and I corrected them as I went. But one of them was that one of the things that I kept noticing was how wrong I had predicted. Bella would turn out. She's a much more complicated character than I expected. She's also very realistically a 17-year-old. And that as a contrast, again, this is back to my frustration with Edwards as a character, that is a contrast to how unexpectedly bland Edward turns out to be. Bella is complex and interesting. She's exactly what you expect her to be. Edward is nothing like you would expect somebody to be who's 100 years old. So this what is a fucking hot take, but also spot on. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so I think this is partially what made Twilight such a like phenomenon as a book because Bella is not this flat one-dimensional character that's so often portrayed or like that is... The selling point for this book, like, oh, like, people can just, it's a flat character. Everybody can see themselves in this character. I mean, to an extent, (laughs) yes. I I think she was, I think she was very deliberately cast as a your character here type of character. Yes, but only to a particular audience, right? Because the person in high school who is like knows in a book, doesn't see herself as X, Y, and Z fitting the particular mold, doesn't feel connected to um, her peer group or her or adults mm-hmm. is going to 100% relate to Bella. That is such an apt description that I felt guilty. So honestly, I felt bad because I felt myself making these uh, uh, broad characterizations of the reader, uh, the reader in general, right? Lots of people might have picked the book up, but the person who I felt who was targeted by this book, by the author, was the bookish, nerdy, introverted, maybe not most attractive girl in high school. And I felt I felt like a bit of an asshole just saying like, yeah, nope, that's who this book was written for. But I mean, I, it seems almost an inescapable conclusion because Be- they, she assiduously avoids description of Bella, mm-hmm. right? She's simultaneously disp- d- described as being a bit plain, but also being, you know, the object of everyone's attention and affection. Inexplicably and attractive to the opposite sex. Yeah. And so I, I was, I felt like a bit of a jerk saying like, oh yeah, she's meant to be an every woman as opposed to the every man where every reader can project themselves into the role. And I'm going to reveal myself to our dear readers and the fact that like I loved this book as a teenager because I felt so seen by Bella as a character. Like I could relate to this character because that is who I was in high school. Like Mm -hmm. um, she undergoes like the Jane perspective, like uh, Jane Doe is constantly the female protagonist of books that's like not really any kind of you know characteristic in any kind of capacity but she's just 
their existing kind of, you know, obviously a female, but not any kind of like loud or, Mm -hmm. you know, attractive or. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's who 17 year olds are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's fair. Yeah. They don't know who they are. They just are existing. They're hoping that, you know, men will pay attention to them or women, you Mm -hmm. know, like irrespective of gender, but like someone will pay attention to them. They just want to feel seen for the individual they are as they're forming into a distinct individual. Edward's character is, even if he's two dimensional, he's someone that's paying attention to her. Yeah. And that's where, oh God, I'm so skipping ahead. Okay. Okay. So we're going to interrupt you, but I do want to thank you for acknowledging the fact that Bella is as a character, legitimate and relatable and mm-hmm. has has value to a reader. Which is crazy that everyone's like, oh, she's two-dimensional. You could put any Jane Doe in her place. But it's like, no, that's like a 17-year-old, mm-hmm. a little bit, yeah, a little bit like uncomfortable with who she is. Like, that's not irrespective of, you know, characteristics. Like, that's specifically a 17-year-old. I, I do feel like details were put into her oh, I've already read Chaucer. What 17-year-old has already read Canterbury Tales of their own free will? You know, like voluntarily. Oh, it was that, you know, it was in the library. I checked it out. Like it, that and then all of the 19th century so, uh, uh, English authors. So Jordan, have you read those books? <laughs> exactly. I have read some of them. Guilty silence so, okay. right there. I have not, but I also thought that Edward was a creeper. So maybe like Jordan is the target audience Thanks, for this. Thanks, Katie, for that. I feel... <laughs> when it's a hot guy, then it's Katie's the target audience. Okay. I, I felt guilty, but I mean, yes, I was like, oh, God, Jordan was... God Jordan damn it. Was the, I'm sorry. I love you. I love both these women as like like sisters. But I mean, I felt very much like Jordan was the target audience for like, like, Steph- I'm not saying St- Stephanie Meyer was this Machiavellian mastermind. I was like, I'm going to write a book that's going to make a million. If you're looking for women who did not peak in high school, then yes, this is the target audience for <laughs> Twilight Readers. Okay. So let's caveat that by the fact that like Jordan's hot now. So. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. It just, you know, hasn't hit her age yet. So if we have 17 year olds that are, you know, reading Twilight and like really vibing with Bella, just wait, like you're give it 10 years, people. Oh, yeah. No, as a dude, I beg you, please. Like, you're (laughs) seriously, your time, you or you will be a goddess at 22. I swear. I do want to caveat that, like, part of the design of Bella's character is to one, make her relatable to a specific set of readers, people who are actually going to pick up a, I don't know, 500 page book in Uh high school, but also Mm -hmm. to make it realistic for the romance line of this of this book. Bella makes it through the weekend. So she's had her first day at school. You know, Edward was fucking weird throughout biology class and he tries to change he tries to change classes with her and yeah. she has an ego hit. So Bella makes it through the weekend and when she goes back to school on Monday, Edward has returned. So she sees him from a crunch a, a, a crunch. <laughs> Across. Um, I think that is a bloodshot right there. <laughs> give me the alcohol. It's not even filled up. Okay, <laughs> so she sees him from across the lunchroom again, and she gets all flustered and awkward. So when she attends biology class later in the day, Edward is there at their table, like they're assigned two-person table, and this is the very first time these two characters interact with each other. And it's almost pleasant. Now, I'm going to take my shot that she <laughs> yeah, filled up. Yeah. We're serious about this here. We absolutely fucking are. I took a shot. I'm sorry if I mispronounced <laughs> anything else. It's just going to get worse. Anyway, 
They work together on this lab assignment, Mm -hmm. which Bella does with ease. And Edward makes some effort at getting to know her during this interaction. Okay, but also, can we talk about that Bella was in AP biology, I think, and then the teacher was like, oh, my God, were you, like, in AP biology before this? Oh, my God. Because I, again, went through this fucking experience. Like, classes don't go through the same kind of curriculum. So if you've gone through anything vaguely ahead of where you're supposed to be, they're like, oh, my God, are you, like, smart? (laughs) (laughs) And they make it a big deal, but it's like, uh, maybe my class was like a month ahead of yours. And then they're like, (laughs) (laughs) again, like one month. And then it's another way to make Bella appeal to this smarter, you know, more, they're reading books. They're doing it for It makes her audience. Yeah. So it's to make her seem more. um, Isolated. Isolated and acceptable to someone who is perhaps not experiencing the same level of education as she is. But it's Ooh. also crazy. <laughs> Whoa, that's, that's hot a, take. That's an interesting take. Yeah, yeah. Who's not experiencing like, oh, what a revelation this mm-hmm. science lecture on the universe is to me because he's had a hundred years to see. He's had a hundred years to see, you know, Einstein and so, Rico Fermi. No wonder uh, he thinks we want to talk about the homeschooling thing. <laughs> we need we need to get through this. Okay, <laughs> moving on from biology class. It snows, and then Charlie. Charlie is kind enough to wake up early and put chains on Bella's truck. And I thought this was super uh, important. Um, Yeah. So on TikTok or Instagram Reels, whatever you prescribe to, Charlie has daddy energy. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) Bella, this stands out to Bella. Like him getting up early out of his day to put chains on her truck stands out to her as a, oh, this is the first time someone has taken care of me. Yeah. Versus her taking care of her mother her entire life. And it's this revolutionary thing as a character for Bella. Like, oh, like people are capable of like taking care of me and foreseeing things that I need before I see them myself. And this will play into comments I'll make later about wish fulfillment and how... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm giving Rob like major side eye right now because it literally fills in eldest child vibes right now. So you constantly have to like understand the wants and needs of your younger siblings and also your adult fucking parents and be a third parent. So this like absolutely prescribes to the like 17 year old who has constantly had to take care of other people for your entire life. And all of a sudden there's someone that's like tuned into your needs oh my god this is smut for like teenagers that don't understand what smut is exactly <laughs> smut, so- smut for the person who's like i just want to not have to worry about shit uh- <laughs> so okay so bella drives to school with chains on her with chains on her truck and she is she gets to the parking lot at the high school she's just getting out of her vehicle and she sees from across the parking lot that Edward is standing next to his shiny silver Volvo, like way across there. And she's like just getting ready to like get settled in, walk to class. And my heart. <laughs> can I can I and I, I might be skipping a sentence or two ahead here, but that is one of my Twilight notes, which is stupid shiny Volvo owner. That which is a direct quote from the line. Like, I just thought that was one of the best lines of the book, honestly. <laughs> it was plus line like okay. she noticed that he's hot and like you know noticing her okay well, I, appreciated Isn't that it. A, uh... I appreciated it i thought it was good so not okay paramore i thought it was cool. again so so she's standing next to her truck 
and making eye contact with Edward, so however many yards away, when the next thing she knows, there's this vehicle careening towards her, just out of control, because obviously there's snow on the ground, they can't control her, they can't, they can't control the vehicle, and then all of a sudden she swung out of the way, and the van that was about to smash her to pieces is being held off physically by Edward and his two, you know, shiny white hands, like, <laughs> just... <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> just pushing the van out of the way. So she is shaken, but not enough to forget that Edward was yards away from her at the time of the accident. And there is no human way he could have made it to her in time to prevent this catastrophe. Is this weird to say that this is, you know, the point in the book that I had the least problem with? I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Okay, next part. <laughs> <laughs> It's a weird thing to recognize. It, it yeah. is. Yeah, so, no, I have no objection. So, <laughs> continue. Continue. <laughs> Edward tells Bella repeatedly that, you know, she she's kind of like, you were over there. I was here. This thing was about to kill me. Like, what happened? The fact in both the movie and the book that he feels so confident in his fucking gaslight ability. Like, yeah. can we talk about this? He does that on just like seven you, times over. Yeah. You imagined... The whole I was thing. standing next it's to you the whole time. That's what yeah. he says to him. You, uh, like, were you going to convince? Like, he says that in the book and the movie. Like, well, bro. Well, I mean, how many times has Stephanie Meyer cast him as this alabaster statue? Like, like, all right, fine. Yeah, like, I can see. Like, I'm 40, and I'm, uh, I'm aware of my limited abilities to manipulate people. But this guy's 100 years old and supernatural in his in every aspect. And so... Yeah, eh, it doesn't seem too crazy that he would be able to. Actually, that's a, that's an interesting kind of an enrichment on the character of Edward that he would be like, yeah, no, no, I was right beside you the whole time, like, and you're gonna believe that. But that because- makes it, so that makes it's an important distinction for Bella as a character because consistently throughout the book she's like, no, that's not what happened, and she is all like consistently contradicting Edward and what he's telling her as reality is not actually yeah. happening. Um, because he's like constantly throughout this fucking book, like I am immortal. I am, you know, a hundred and something plus years. You are a child. I'm like weirdly attracted to you, and we've like gotten over that point. But like, I am always going to be someone immortal. And skipping you are, ahead here, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Okay, so if you have seen the Twilight movie, a time or two, you already know this. But like, it's just skipping past all of that, and so like, yeah, he's like gaslighting her, but not. Really it's like her, her supernatural ability is to not fall for the gaslighting. Yeah. She's like, okay, but now what? And he's like, oh, you accepted the fact that no one's going to believe you? Like, oh. It's weird. It's <laughs> it's weird and not okay. But so she makes it to the hospital. And this totally tracks for small town Washington, probably small town anywhere, which is the entire school comes to a complete stop. It shows up at the <laughs> hospital and like, it's like, oh my God, is she going to die? Like, this is the major event of the season for this almost accident that almost killed people, but actually everyone is fine. She ends up being treated by Edward's like foster dad, Dr. Carlisle. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so before... Mm-hmm. Before being released, at the in the hospital, she and Edward have this very awkward interaction where she's like, you know, I know you weren't right next to me. And he's like, I know, you know, but please promise not to say anything. Um, and I'll talk to you later about what actually happened. 
And this is kind of the first indication that something is off and paranormal about the whole story. Again, I feel like this kind of plays into that uh, somewhat dangerous, like, um, parallel, I guess, that you can recognize that something's not out of the norm. You can call out the gaslighting, the lying, and be like, I'm not going to tell anyone anyways. It's like, I like uh stephanie meyer kind of made like a misstep or a mistake in saying that that's okay and playing that into the romance because i mean if you kind of project that onto a different kind of relationship that's dangerous that someone recognizes that you're lying that you're you know uh someone in a more powerful position than you and saying like i don't care i mean like we're in you know vaguely in love like i find you attractive it's like i think that was a little bit of a misstep like it should have been something of a different conversation i feel like it kind of puts a you know negative kind of disturbing context beside like you know behind their relationship yeah no i mean i agree that there's a disturbing uh, element to the to the power dynamic there does it happen yes and so insofar as it's represented in literature i no, I, I approve because it's the sort of thing that happens. It's part of the human condition. People get manipulated and overwhelmed by some more powerful personalities than themselves. Uh, but I mean, at the same time, like, yeah, it's a problematic dynamic. So it's, insofar as we're assessing the individual characters in the narrative, Edward made, made some moves here and then he wound up having to make some unethical decisions to cover his own ass. So, you know, this interaction at the hospital ends like she checks out. OK, there's nothing significant that happens. And then. She ends up returning to to school the next day and they have, you know, another unpleasant interaction in biology class and he's not talking to her again. And weirdly, Bella interprets this behavior as indication that he regrets saving her life, which is for me like, OK, yes, this character was absolutely 100 percent designed to speak to me like as a 17-year-old, 16-year-old, 15-year-old reader. Like, how insecure are you? How desperate are you for validation and approval and, like, seeking to say, you know what? You're valued as a, as a human, right? And for her to interpret, like, lack of any of that as a, oh, my life isn't worthwhile, <laughs> it's, it's huge. It's significant. And, like, that, it seems like an extreme reaction, but at that age, though. Yeah. Like, that's what you're feeling. The The emotions are so extreme up and down. Yeah, especially when you pair it with, like, all of the other people that she's not interested in being interested in her. It's like the one person that you put on a pedestal above all is like, oh, like, you know, I'm indifferent to the fact that I saved you and you didn't die. You accept that as like... Okay, so all of these other people don't see me a certain way. They don't value my, you know, existence. But this one person that I think is hotter than anyone else is more important than anyone else is indifferent. Doesn't to the even want to talk to me. Ah, it's like it's heartbreaking. Yeah, oh, it's it, terrible. It makes me so sad because again, as like that seventeen-year-old, sixteen-year-old reader, it's like it should be a little bit more important than that. Exactly. Like, that shouldn't be the natural conclusion you draw. I know. I, I hate to end on a negative note, but like there's a lot of negativity in the first the first portion of this book where we you really there's a lot of effort put into making Bella this downtrodden feel sorry for her 
as a character. Like she needs saving. Like she is the ultimate damsel. Like she's smart. She takes care of everyone around her. But who's going to take care of Bella? Yeah. That's kind of the the setup we're given as a reader. And mm-hmm. Edward is supposed to take care of her. So we hate to end on a bad note, but mm-hmm. pending any other comments. From our shelf to yours. Oh, are you going to start? Oh, that's exciting. This feels like reverse gender roles or something. I love it. Okay. (laughs) So, oh, yeah, I say uh, from our shelf to yours. We'll see you on the next page. Hi, readers. If you'd like to help us pick our next book, send us a message on Instagram. Or if you'd like to just listen, we post new episodes every Monday and Wednesday on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon. Thanks for listening. Bussin'. (laughs) Hello, readers. But I'm not recording yet. Are you? No. I don't think I believe you. <laughs> I read every garbage novel. <laughs> Rob's dear partner is the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. Oh and- <laughs> my god! <laughs> this podcast is going to turn into like a love letter uh, to, yeah, to- uh, Hello. Rob's wife. <laughs> Hello, Rob's wife. We I one hundred percent do not deserve her. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're turning into an actual like fantasy it's romance, so like as is. <laughs> He very obviously doesn't deserve her, it's but we a, support this. Is, yeah, that's true. Like, I'm, I'm going to take it while I can get it. You hear the rattle of the ice in the glasses here? Yeah, we're all a few sheets gone now. This is our a few sheets blonde. blonde. Oh, wow. Can you interpret? So we're a, a few sheets gone. <laughs> is the correct translation of that. That's, uh, that's Gen X for we've had a few to drink. Uh... <laughs> so to the be fair, first thing that came to mind is we're sham wow. <laughs> um, I also want to explicitly explain to what? our listeners or readers that these shot glasses have Disney princesses on them. That's how I roll readers. Uh that is absolutely our fucking yeah. like Regency, you know, uh pure to society Jordan speaking. We have a Disney quote like painted on the wall, which I can't take credit for, but Jordan has a Disney quote okay. painted on mm. the wall. Rude.